Hi, this is Brett Thornhill. And I'm Jenny Friedman. And you're listening to Technicolor Mindset. Hey, Jenny, how's it going today? Hey, how you doing, Brett? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you as always, and welcome everyone. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Brett, what would you like to talk about today? Well, I had an interesting conversation with a client of mine yesterday, and this is something that come, that's come up quite often in the past, and something I probably, I guess, not probably, I guess I have, you know, my own experience with as well. And that's the whole idea of relationships and the role that ADHD plays in relationships, uh, the role it can play in a marriage, even in a parent-child relationship, sibling relationship. You have some some familiarity with the sibling piece of this puzzle. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have some experience with the marriage piece of this puzzle. And it's difficult. You know, relationships are difficult enough anyway, as it is. When you throw in the the complexity and the complications of ADHD and the possible misinterpretations of ADHD and the possible stories and false narratives that we can set up around ADHD and someone's behavior, that kind of thing, it just, it can make for a tangly mess. Yeah, it really can cause a lot of problems. And one of the things I think is that so much of the way that ADHD tends to manifest itself can look like willful behavior, even though it's not. So it can look as though if I need something to be interesting to me, intrinsically interesting to me in order to engage in it or have some level of interest, then if I'm not interested in something for reasons that just really have to do with little else other than brain chemistry, it looks like I'm selfish. It looks like I'm self-absorbed. It can look like I just don't have any concern or empathy for the other person. Yeah. That's actually not true at all. It's just that, you know, I, I need that, that trigger in order to, to engage. And that's, you know, there are ways to combat that. I mean, that's why metacognition and mindfulness is so important so that you can stop, you can pause, you can think about what you're thinking about and you can actually create some ability to be able to place yourself in in the shoes of the other person. Yeah. You want to adjust your sales if you can, if you see what's going on and figure out how to change in the moment. A lot of times I speak about assumptions. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think in a relationship, it's helpful to sometimes think about what's that other person assuming? Yeah. Not that they're right or wrong, but just what is it? Yeah. And then is, is that matching with reality? And when it's not, you can do something about it. You know, awareness is key. (laughs) Well, absolutely. And I think that's, that's the thing, you know, when someone has been diagnosed with ADHD and you kind of know what you're dealing with, and I, I always say, you know, it's really important to understand what's happening so that the strategies you create are not just strategies that deal with the manifestation and the symptoms and the challenges, but they deal with the cause. You know, that's one, one thing is the whole interest-based. Yeah. Can need. you give an example of how that might look in someone's life? Um, just in everyday conversation, you know, you can get preoccupied, hyper-focused on something that you have in your own mind. I mean, this has happened to me. And my wife wants to tell me a story or she, something's important to her. And the fact that it's important, unfortunately, I, I, and I swear to God, I wish that that could light me up. The fact that it's important to her, but sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. And it's gotten better because of my own awareness and because of her awareness and, and working together and that sort of thing. And because I try to be mindful of it and pay attention to it. But if my mind is racing a hundred miles an hour in a dozen different directions, then unless something bright and sparkly comes up to distract me, I'm going to stay on that track. 
right? And it's got nothing to do with the fact that I don't care about you. I don't care about what you think. I don't care about what you're saying. I may very well care deeply about what you're saying, but just in that moment, it's, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to pull me away from wherever it is that I'm hyper-focused or, you know, whatever it is that's, that's got my interest at that yeah, time. Yeah, it's not standing out enough to capture your attention. Yeah. And the other, the other piece that plays a role in this is working memory, of course. You know, so there's, there's focus, attention, interest, and all, but working memory, because I'm juggling, however, and I say me, I'm talking about somebody with ADHD, we're juggling however many balls we have to juggle to get through the day, right? So we've got all this stuff going on in our working memory. I literally sometimes come home from work. And if Roxanne tries to tell me something new about the kids or something that happened during the day, I've now learned that sometimes I just have to say, you know what, hon, just hold it, hold on to it for a little bit, because I need to kind of, I need to purge a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, I need to get some a, of this stuff out. Yeah, it's a great point because if you don't have ADHD, then it looks like, oh, okay, you can't handle this right now, but I can. No problem. Because right. I'm tired too. I've been at work all day too. But the difference, it's really important to understand the difference that if someone's holding, three to five things at a time working with all that. And they're exhausted because they've been doing everything in manual drive all day. Mm-hmm. And you're doing everything in automatic drive. You don't even, you're doing things you don't even know you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, and you're holding more in your working memory, like seven to nine things. Right. It's, it's like, imagine two different performance vehicles, <laughs> one stick shift. Right fast, cool, terrific car. Right. But it can only hold two people. Yeah. And I have the minivan. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I can hold a bunch of stuff. Right. And I've got to just wait. You're dealing with different equipment, right? So you're dealing with different equipment. So if you want to take four people for a ride, you can do it at one time. If I want to take four people for a ride, I got to take one at a time, go for a ride, come back, pick up the other guy, go take him for a ride, come back, get the other person, you know? Yeah. I just can't fit that many people in, in my car, even though it may be a high performance car. Yeah. But it just doesn't have that capability. Doesn't have that capacity. Right. That capacity. Exactly. And this can, I mean, this can cause, you can imagine the kind of troubles that this can cause if you've got one spouse who sees the other one as kind of making excuses or shirking their responsibility um, and there's a fine line between help me out, understand me and support me and be my mother. <laughs> well, see, exactly. You know? So do you use, don't want that. Like there's nothing <laughs> healthy about that in a relationship. To use the car again. So in your case, right? Cause you're the male mm-hmm. with the ADHD. Yeah. And she's the female without it, right? She's the minivan. She's, she's like, that's nice. You get to be the fun sports car and I got to be the responsible minivan. Yeah. And that's not a sexy feeling for the minivan. It's not at all. It's, it's not at all. It also leaves the feelings of deficiency on the part of the person with ADHD. Like, I'm not carrying my load. I'm not. So you, you just fall in that whole downward spiral of spin and slide. And you start, you know, talking about, thinking about the fact that you're not making the contribution to the family that you should be. And that's why I think it's really important. When you have a spouse with ADHD, when you have a partner with ADHD, I really think communication is vital. I think understanding the roles you fulfill and getting to a point where you can say, look, 
there are things that you do well, there are things that I do well. Let's accept that. And let's try to focus on the things that we do well and make sure that we try to balance this as much as we can, you know, so that you're not carrying the full load, but there are just things that I'm going to be more comfortable with. And there are things that you're going to be more comfortable with. And where there's a crossover, you know, you you hear the term share one brain, find a way to share one brain. So create some sort of an external tool so that you can have some crossover of communication, whether it's a huge whiteboard that's got a schedule on it, whether it's a a downloadable, and you can get these apps, these family management apps that you can put on your phone. That's what I was going to say was instead of relying on the other person to carry more load, come up with a way to externalize and for both of you to, to look at those one tool. There is one that I've, heard of i have not actually used it myself called i got this okay it's a family tool developed by someone with adhd specifically for this reason oh fantastic okay i've I've heard of these types of apps before i've never heard one there's a million of them i'm sure yeah i'm not trying to promote that over any other one except that i just have heard of it i've actually had the guy on my Mm -hmm. podcast so he was talking about it I know that specific for ADHD in mind. That's why you might want to go check that one out. I don't know how much it costs or anything. I have no idea. Yeah, very cool. And, you know, sometimes it can be something that's a little more high tech like that. If that's every family's different. So if you have a family, I like a whiteboard though. (laughs) I like a whiteboard as well. I, and if you're going to have a whiteboard, and I'm not suggesting that people, but sometimes people play games, right? It's like, I'm just going to wait to see how long it takes him to notice this. Oh, that's not healthy. That's That's not not at all. So it happens. I know. So here's another very, so get your common brain externalized, either a big family calendar or a whiteboard or or an app. And, but you have to assume positive intention on both parties. Right. Cannot sit there and play the mental games of, oh, okay, I'm going to resent him for this or resent her for, playing the martyr, like, oh, that's not sexy either. Mm-hmm. None of it is good if you're not on the same page. You, you want and you crave support, but the support has to come from a place of love. It can't from, come from a place of, of resentment. Nobody wants to be taken care of. That's not the point. It's that We all support each other throughout our lives anyway. I mean, if you have a relationship, you have to support each other. So open communication, being straightforward, not playing mental games, um, you know, can the one-upsmanship, which happens sometimes. I just saw something else too. You know, sometimes the partner without ADHD is someone who likes to help, who likes to be the person who jumps in and saves the day or, you know, sort of gets their cookies from feeling like they were really useful and helpful. Sure. And you want to keep your boundaries in the relationship so that there's still, especially in a marriage, you still want it to be where you can be turned on by one another. And if you're, if one of you's in a parental role, that's not, that's not, that's going to kill the romance. Yeah, it will. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to maintain your own identity and you've got to, you've got to maintain your own independence in some way, shape or form. Right. So if you've got somebody who's, that's why I, the biggest pitfall here is falling into a situation where, hey, the family runs smoothly, but that's because mom has like four kids, three that are under the age of 10 and one who's 43, right? Right. And that doesn't work. I mean, that just won't work. It'll cause resentment. It'll cause, it, it won't do anything for your romance. It won't do anything for, you know, 
the two of you as adults. And and, no. and I don't think either spouse really is going to want that. But it's a trap, I think, that you can fall into. It's amazing. Hey, we're both coaches. We've, we've, we've had people come to us with yeah. This is a real, it's a great topic because it's, it's a real thing. I can't tell you how often I have clients come to me and partway through a session, they'll go, I know you're not a marriage counselor, but yep. I hear that constantly, right? And when I see, even when I used to see, I don't see as many parents as I used to, but when I used to see parents who would come in to see me with kids, quite often, one of the parents had ADHD because their child has ADHD. You know, I can't tell you how often it became a counseling session for the two parents. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So relationships and managing relationships, tricky enough anyway, tricky enough if you don't have these things going on. But when you've got ADHD, probably in one parent, you've got maybe a child with ADHD, you have one parent who's carrying, feels like they're carrying so much more of the logistical load because quite frankly, they probably are. But maybe they don't have to if you if you actually talk to each other about it and if you try to you know, do it in a way that doesn't raise all sorts of resentment and stuff. I think that's key is that you don't have to. Um, And if you check in with your partner, they probably don't want you to. Right. There's a false narrative that you create. Like I've got to take care of him. He's so dependent on me. He's so. Or even with the man, if the man, I know, you know, men with don't have ADHD, Mm -hmm. wives do. Mm -hmm. And they feel like they're babysitting sometimes. Yeah. That's the words they use. And I'm like, well, then you guys have set this up really right. not good. Let's look at that. And that ain't sexy. That ain't no, going to do anything for no. your relationship. That's not going to no. do anything for... So it's a recipe for disaster when that happens, because at some point, you know, that's going to come to, a, you know, a boiling point, I think. And, and I, no better advice, I don't think, or, or no better suggestion than just talk to each other. Don't assume false narratives you know, clarify things and assume the best (laughs) and assume the best of each other. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and adjust accordingly. Yeah. I think that's, you know, this is a complex topic and we could talk about this, I think for a long time. Oh, we just barely touched on it, but that's a great one to think about. Go to the group guys and we can talk about more, you know, in the Facebook group, go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash technicolor mindset. And bring up a very specific situation and both Brett and I will jump in and give our two cents, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. This is, this can be a a really serious issue within an ADHD family. So um, it is something that needs to be addressed and needs to be talked about and and swept out from under the rug. It can get better. Absolutely. Absolutely can. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. All right, cool. Well, thanks Brett. Good topic. Thank you very much. It was great talking to you again. And we'll talk to Ollie out there again next week. Cheers. Excellent. Bye. 